The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. We choose to go to the moon. to this very special episode of the Talking Space Podcast. This is Talking Space Podcast episode 225, released on the date of July 20th, 2010. Now this episode is a very special episode. 41 years ago, quite an event happened. And for the 40th anniversary of it, unfortunately, the Talking Space Podcast was just a concept. Now that we are on the air... We have a very special episode to celebrate this. The very moment when Neil Armstrong stepped off the lunar landing craft, the LEM, stepped foot on the moon, and said these immortal words which will forever remain in history. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. And tonight, we are taking those words and morphing them into a question. How has the Apollo program affected you? And by you, we don't mean just you, our listeners, and us, our panel. We also have a couple of people joining us via the service Twalkin. You can find out more information about it by visiting twalk.in. Now, those of us joining us tonight from our panel, as always, are Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene. Very special night here, sir. Just happy to be here. Indeed. Welcome as well, Mark Ratterman. Hi, Sawyer. Hi, Gene. And hello, Twalkin listeners. Now, unfortunately, Gina is currently on a corporate escapade around the world, and uh, she will be back for next week's episode, but was unable to join us tonight. I think we are go to start the episode, but let's just double check. Flight control. Go. UCLS monitor. Go. Flight termination system. Go. Telemetry. Go. RF. Go. Complex systems. Instrumentation. Go. Electrical. Go. Environmental control. Go. Booms. Go. Launcher. Go. Water. Go. I have a go. Although we said Gina was away, she recorded a little bit of a clip for us. So, Gina, what does Apollo mean to you? Thank you, Sawyer. Apollo, or Apollo 11 specifically, was remarkable for no other reason other than we just decided to go to the moon. There was no debate. There was no five, ten year plus analysis on whether we could or could not accomplish this. We just decided to go. President Kennedy and his top advisors, maybe for political reasons, maybe because they were cavalier, or maybe just because they were visionaries, put this goal in front of America in 1961 and said we are going to land a man on the moon and return him safely to earth before the end of the decade and we did that it's just 
It embodies the best of America. 400,000 Americans worked on the Apollo program. 400,000 Americans made this a priority, put their focus on it, and we made it to the moon and safely returned to Earth. Unfortunately, now, I don't see America the same way. I wasn't born. I wasn't alive back then, but I do know that it seemed Republican or Democrat, it was either way, it was okay to have the same values and goals. It doesn't seem like that's even acceptable anymore. You have to be in different sides of of an issue if depending upon what party you're in. And America is, I think, floundering because of that. Unfortunately, if she could just get on the same side of herself, I mean, okay, I think we had different parties for different reasons, economics, federalism versus the rights of the states, but today it's about different values in society, and that's unfortunate because what we need to value the most is how to keep America in the in the forefront of a global world and I mean the world's just getting smaller communications are tightening and America has enjoyed this reign of a supreme superpower because we've pulled off Apollo and we have to stay as a leader in space to continue our preeminence in science in technology and the economy that that drives. Thank you very much, Gina, for that. It's great to hear your opinion there. Now, Mark, let's hear from you. What does Apollo mean to you? Um, I've got something to talk about in, in talking about how Apollo affected us. Uh, you know, I was there. I didn't see any launch up until Apollo 17. And uh, making a joke earlier about history, uh, amongst the, the talking space team, we were discussing one day launches that we'd each seen. And I said that, well, I saw a, a night launch for Apollo. And Gina, right away, she she jumped on that and said, oh, Apollo 17. And I said, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, But it was one that I saw as a teenager. And my parents took myself and a, uh, a friend from school up the coast to where we could see it. lived in South Florida at the time. So that's not so much my story as it is an introduction to how your your thoughts can change over time. As a kid, uh, you know, I found science and anything science related to be something special. And talking to one of our friends here in town, we got to talking about the podcast that we do. And she told me, she said, well, you know, when I was a kid, I lived up in Michigan and my grandmother lived in Canada. And at the Apollo 11 moon landing, my grandmother got my sister and I, each of us got a set of uh, drinking glasses, like tumbler style, uh, probably hold about eight ounces, maybe 10 ounces. And she said, my grandmother got my sister and I each a set of four. And she said, I still have mine. I broke one and it, it, it crushed me when I broke that one glass, but I still have three and I wanted to give one to you. And so I've got in my hand a... Uh, I guess a 41-year-old Apollo 11 man on the moon, USA, Eagle Tranquility Base, uh, Armstrong, Aldrin's, and Collins names, and uh, red, white, and blue, uh, you know, looks like new drinking glass. And it's interesting how 
here is our friend who still has her set minus the one that she broke and the one that she generously gave my wife and I. And yet her sister, not long after the gift was uh, was given, her sister got rid of hers or gave them away or something. And it wasn't something that was important to her. And I think that really kind of spells out the, the divide that there is on people, not just on the, some of the great events like the Apollo moon landings, but on the space program in general. Some people find it of, of great interest and some don't. And what was, to me, even more uh, touching about it was that our friend's grandmother did not like in any way, shape, or form to travel between Canada and Michigan because, and I don't know the, the country, so I may be not stating this correctly, but uh, she had to travel through a tunnel. And she just did not like the thought of being in this tunnel going below the surface of the earth and the water. But she made the trip to give these gifts to her granddaughters. And, uh, you know, there's a commitment from somebody that was uh, living in Canada and thoroughly excited at the accomplishment of the U.S. And maybe we can get a comment from someone else later on that it wasn't just an accomplishment for the U.S. It was something for the whole world. And that's my little bit of how Apollo affected me. Because uh, here I've got a glass and something quite special that I in turn treasure. All right. Thank you very much, Mark, for your thoughts. Now let's open it up to the talking line. And our first person that we have is Russ Dale. So let's get you unmuted. And welcome to the show. And how were you affected by the Apollo program? Oh, boy. The Apollo program, it affected me far, far greater than the shuttle program. And I was born in 1975, well after the Apollo era, right in time for Apollo Soyuz test project. And I saw the Challenger disaster live in school. And ever since that, I'd been fascinated with human spaceflight. But it was Apollo, it was the moon, the planetary body that's ever present in the sky. You look up and it's there. That inspired me to get serious about science, and it was it was in my spare time pouring over the missions and their data and their film and their television transmissions, learning all about the Apollo systems and the hardware technologies, and it's thousands of people. It took thousands of people to achieve that, to achieve Kennedy's dream of landing a man on the moon by the end of the 1960s, and that was that was exploration. I think that event. It's, it channeled the full potential of the human race, and it was towards a peaceful and a common and a scientific goal, and it wasn't just an American achievement like that was said earlier. It was something for the entire world. Floating around and doing science in low-Earth orbit aboard the International Space Station Alpha, that's one thing. That's an achievement. But over 40 years ago, packing up everything that you own and going to the moon to do legitimate work, to do the EVAs by deploying science experiments and collecting those precious rocks, I think that's exploration at its finest. It, it rivals the early seafarers who sailed across the ocean or the folks who dared to venture out to pioneer the American West or those people that explore the deepest depths of the ocean. And I think without human exploration, I believe we're going to stagnate as a species, and I'm kind of sad that we have to wait for Mars. Russ, thank you very, very much for your comments, and uh, really just amazing how it affects people differently. All right, let's hear 
from Todd. Todd, why don't you come on on, and how has Apollo affected you? Thanks a lot, Sawyer. Uh, I hope you can still hear me uh, well. Um, you know, I I wasn't uh, around to see the uh, Apollo missions. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I you know, I was around for the Apollo Soyuz. I was very young at the time, so I look at Apollo as a bridge between my father's generation and my generation. And, uh, you know, I've had to learn uh, from history books, from video, from uh, that little clip on MTV, you know, when they used to uh, introduce a new video and you'd see the spaceman with the flag. <laughs> you know, it's brought all those things, uh, you know, it put all those things within reach. Uh, technology, it, it drove, uh, you know, that goal to get to the moon, land, uh, return men safely to the Earth. Uh, everything involved, the manpower, the technology, improved our nation, made us stronger. Uh, and, uh, you know, to this day, uh, people in my father's generation can relate and know the names of those men that landed first on the moon. Uh, they can't name anybody in, in today's program, and uh, I want that to happen again. I want I want our generation, uh, the, the people in the 20 to 40, 50 year old range, uh, to understand that uh, it's vital that we go back to the moon. Uh, Mars is not a uh, is not on the radar screen uh, from where I stand. Uh, let's not get into the economical issues and things that we've dealt with and we fight with every week. Uh, the moon is, is really a great goal for us to go back to. And I'm not taking anything away from being there in the past. Uh, those missions uh, were very vital to what we have today. Uh, I, I think we can do it again. I think it's going to... Uh, push us to the next level uh, and uh, and bring more prosperity to us uh, and that's exactly what everybody needs and, and if we can manage to gain further international partnerships uh, along the way that's fine but I don't believe that's uh, a necessity to this country to, to do that uh, I, I really uh, I appreciate everything that's been done to to this day uh we you know we're looking at uh the future and what a great history and a great lesson and uh we should continue on uh based with what we have in our past and continue uh that's that's about all i have uh i you know i'm a shuttle shuttle guy uh, from the very first mission to today uh, and we wouldn't have the technology and the things that we've used uh, without the great missions of, of Apollo uh, and that whole beginning, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, all the way through. So thanks a lot guys for having me on. Not a problem. Thank you very much, Todd Cecilia.
Now let's open it up as well. We have another person on the line, Kathy O'Brien. Welcome, Kathy. How has Apollo affected you? Well, I wasn't around for the, most of the Apollo missions, but my dad happened to work for the Defense Mapping Agency in St. Louis, Aeronautic Corps, and helped to chart the moon for the landing. He instilled a great love of space to me. Um, I gave it up for a while, but have really started getting back into it since um, meeting some more people who work in the space program. And I agree with uh, the person that said earlier that we need to keep exploring. Um, there's just so much out there we don't really know anything about. And that was my father's theory. And he would have loved to have been here still today to see the things that we've done. So thank you for having me on. Not a problem. Thank you for coming on. And I think sometimes we get the best insight into the program from the people that work on it, not even the people that went into space. Definitely. All right. Now we have another interview from a person who could not be here. This is Joe Blondin, who worked on the control moment gyros for both International Space Station Program, the Hubble Space Telescope Program, as well as the control rings for the Saturn V rockets. So this was his opinion. So since you worked on actually the control rings of the Saturn V rocket during the Apollo program, and it being the 41st anniversary of Apollo 11, what does the Apollo program mean to you? Oh, it was everything. Going to the moon was the dream that we had. And uh, to be a part of that... Um, it's, it, it was just the most important thing in my life up until that point. You know, my family came later and things like that. But uh, it, it was just, it was such a patriotic time. And to see the astronauts land and to see Armstrong walk on the moon, um, it made us very proud. Um, and that, that HBO series, if you can ever get a chance to, um, you know, view it, it really... Uh, presents things. Uh, Hanks did a wonderful job on it, and it's really like if you're living that time over again. Do you think it would have made a difference if you hadn't worked on the program? Would you have felt differently about the program? Um, no, I don't think so. Even if I had been an accountant or a lawyer or something like that, or uh, once again, when I was growing up, my brother was in the Coast Guard, and that's what I wanted to do, go to the Coast Guard Academy. And uh, I would have appreciated what it took to get to the moon. And anybody, I think, that understands that has to have that appreciation. And here we are so many years later, and we're not walking on the moon anymore. It's a sad thing. All right. Thank you very much once again, Joe Blondin, for giving that interview and your insight. All right. Now, how has Apollo affected me? Now, I was born long, long after the uh, Apollo program. I was even born way into the space shuttle program. And you would think for someone my age, it's just, oh, you know, those things in the past that the old people did going to space. But it's not that. It's something completely different. I think working at the Challenger Center with kids helps to improve that because they're the future generation. They're going to be the future astronauts. They were the ones that, you know, were at the tail end of the space shuttle program and that will be seeing more of, uh, you know, trying to get back to the moon and onto Mars than anything. And to teach them about the past and about the Apollo program in general and me being able to take that knowledge and teach it to them of what we were able to do in the past, 
will hopefully inspire them to do the same thing in the future in their lifetime if we go back to the moon. So for me, the Apollo program has not only affected me, but all of the people that I work with as well. Now, as we were just mentioning before, sometimes we get the best insight into a program by the people that worked on it. And Mark, I believe you got to talk to one of those people, correct? Yes, I did. The delightful lady that we interviewed, Sarah Howard, I talked to her a little over a week ago and was asking her how Apollo affected her. And I thought it was particularly interesting to ask that question of a woman who was there, who was working in the program at that time. And we have a clip from that interview. So here it is, Mark Ratterman with Sarah Howard, who worked on the 1C stage of the Saturn V rocket. 22 years old and part of the Apollo program. That is phenomenal. That had to be exciting. How could you how could you go to sleep at night? I was really tired. I didn't have any trouble going to sleep because <laughs> we were doing was very intensive because all 400,000 of us knew that what we did might be the life and death of people. It tends to focus you. When you worked in support of the Apollo program with Boeing, how did that change the the course of the rest of your life? Was it a major effect? Was it a uh, a confidence builder? How did you feel when you moved on from that? It was the most wonderful three years of my life, there is no doubt. And you're right, it gave me confidence. I can do anything. I can work with all the guys with no problem. And they all like me because I am very positive. I taught both of my boys that, and they have had phenomenal careers. My oldest son received an air medal from the President of the United States. He just retired after a 20-year career with the Marine Corps. I couldn't be more proud. And then the other one has done some absolutely phenomenal things, too. Whatever anyone studies, they need to like it. Because if they don't like it, it's useless. And they need to have fun. At this point, I would like to apologize. During the editing process, we encountered some technical quality issues with the recording. So if there is decreased quality, we apologize. Well, Mark, that was really a great interview. Thank you again. And I mean, like she said, it's the what she did and the 400,000 other people did was the difference between life and death of people and it makes you focus more and I thought that was just really great so thank you and to me it was extraordinary the fact that here she was a young woman working in a predominantly male environment I'm sure and she came away with it from or she was there and she came from that point on with the attitude of I can do anything and uh, man think of how much we would all do if we could all do anything. Now, Gene, I believe that we also had a letter that was written to us by somebody. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. A uh, gentleman named Andrew Cunningham, who uh, I befriended on Twitter and uh, uh, had the privilege of uh, talking to and meeting in person at the STS-132 tweet-up event some uh, weeks back. He, uh, he couldn't be here with us tonight and is kind of disappointed that he couldn't, but he did manage to, uh, to send us an, a letter and a small note to, uh, to uh, just sort of share his thoughts on, uh, on the, uh, the events of this week, some 41 years ago. So I'll go ahead and read uh, Mr. Cunningham's note here. What does Apollo 11 mean to me? What impact did it have on my life? Well... I was not alive when Neil and Buzz strapped on a Saturn V, and I was not watching television when they stepped from the limb onto the surface of our celestial neighbor, the moon. But that does, but does that mean it did not have an impact on my life? No way. I'm a lover of all things space, so I know the Apollo program, and I know the significance it had on the world and those who witnessed it live. Again, the question is posed. What impact did the, Apollo, did the Apollo 11 moon landing have on my life? Well, I grew up with the space shuttle program, literally. I was living in Florida when STS-1 launched from the Kennedy Space Center. How does this qualify me to answer the question about Apollo? Well, simple. I am a space geek, not as hardcore as some, but a space geek nonetheless. This means I've read the books, watched the movies, and studied the history of man's spaceflight over, over and over and over. Why? Because I can't help but look up at the night sky and wonder what's out there. What is it like to be up there? Is it possible that the Earth is so perfect that only we exist in the cosmos? Yes, Earth is perfect. I know. Because I'm, I'm here to ask, to ask that question. But I spend and still spend a lot of time looking at the moon. What would it be like to go there? What do the heavens look like without a wonderful atmosphere, without the wonderful atmosphere of Earth to block it, to block the view? Could I be a moonwalker too? Sadly, the likelihood is close to zero that I'll ever walk on the moon before my days on Earth are done. But I can relive those moments through videos, books, in some cases, meet, meet and greets with those who went there. So for a third time, the question is asked, what impact did the Apollo 11 moon landing have on me? The cliche answer is that it inspired me to chase my dreams, but this is simply not true. I think the better answer comes from challenging the question slightly. How does the Apollo 11 landing impact me when I watch the HBO series From the Earth to the Moon? That I can answer. I get, butterf I get butterflies in my stomach each each and every time. Really, I get excited and envision myself watching it on television in 1969, and I think about how exciting and emotional it was for those who watched it live. Then I get emotional. Yes. Each and every time I watch it. It may sound cliche as well, but humans left this perfect planet and traveled to our neighbor, the moon, which is not so welcoming to humans, no atmosphere. And walked, and walked and talked and sampled and lived there, to, only to return home safely. I could go on and on about the technological achievements, about advancing the human race, about striving for and achieving dreams, about, un, about unifying the people of Earth. But for me, it's about more than that. 
it means that we have proven we can do it. We have overcome technical obstacles, we can achieve our dreams, and we can turn science fiction into reality. But more importantly, we learn to appreciate how special planet Earth really is. Looking back at our planet, a truly unique place in the solar system was the real win of all the moon landings. We should go to the moon again. We should travel to Mars and beyond. First, because we can and should explore. And second, because each and every time we can learn more about our home and about ourselves. And that's what the, what the Apollo 11 moon landing means to me. Some rather thoughtful words there. Um, one of the uh, things that I'm, I'm thinking about right offhand is um, the gift of looking back at the Earth. And a lot of, uh, a lot of the Apollo astronauts have said the same thing. Um, and I believe, uh, to, to echo Mr. Cunningham's words here, um, he, uh, he actually echoed the words of, uh, of Dr. Carl Sagan in his book, Pale Blue Dot. Uh, there was a chapter in there uh, about the gift of Apollo. And uh, Sagan notes that that was one of, the, one of the gifts of the Apollo program, to go ahead and be able to look back at the Earth this fragile thing spinning underneath us and realizing how unique a, a place it really is in the solar system. So, uh, yeah, I apologize. Yeah, uh, and again, I'll thank uh, Mr. Aaron Cunningham for sending this over to us. Um, some, some wonderful insights on this and, uh, again, for sharing his thoughts uh, with, uh, with the team here. And it's too darn bad that he couldn't be here tonight, but, uh, you know, he sort of is on, uh, on paper. And, uh, again, uh, Aaron, again, we appreciate you, uh, your kind words and, uh, hope, uh, hope we'll, we'll see you again out there. Indeed. And it really is just great how he brings, you know, he brings up the aspect and, you know, looks at it from multiple ways, because even if you weren't there, you could still take a look at that and interpret the question in many ways. And he looked at all of them. So really just great. Yeah, I thought so too, especially uh, the commentary again about, about looking back at the Earth. Um, and if anybody's a, a Dr. Carl Sagan fan, everybody knows about the book he wrote, Tail Blue Dot, and he does mention that in uh, the chapter on Apollo. So. so, we've heard everybody's thoughts and everybody's comments. Now, does anybody else have any final comments that they wish to share on the Apollo program, their thoughts on Apollo, or anything that anybody has said tonight? Go ahead, Todd. Hey, guys. Uh, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, you know, uh, I went back and listened to a few of the podcasts, and uh, the uh, Walt Cunningham, uh, if I got the name right, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, was, was, was a great insight uh, and a great angle on, you know, what's happening today with... Uh, our situation in the uh, American human space flight. Uh, and it's, it's very important to obviously uh, continue uh, to be a leader in the world, and the only way we're going to do that is to fly man uh, into space. Uh, we, we have a commitment to the ISS. Uh, we also have to make a commitment to the next exploration project in the meantime. Uh, and we're going to need to do that quickly, and hopefully with the bill that's out now, uh, 
we have a Congress that realizes how very important that is that we step on it now and not wait five years to develop heavy lift capability or whatever that uh, whatever the president uh, handed us, which is what I see, uh, I, I call it an unacceptable uh, situation. I mean, like, again, the economy, you know, this is not going to be a good excuse. Uh, Americans have to stand up and they have to they have to know that this is going to be vital to our economy. It's going to create jobs or, or get our, our friends back to work uh, and, and inspire our young people to pursue those sciences and to, to stand up and... and make this country the leader and continue to be. Uh, and bringing up the, the past podcast, also I urge all the listeners to go back and listen to the, uh, the talk in uh, previous with Neil Weiser uh, about uh, Save NASA. Uh, everything you guys talked about then is valid right now uh, and very important. So uh, that's been buzzing around in my brain for quite a while, so it's now <laughs> documented. Uh, and uh, this is a great week in history, and uh, I'm glad that I could uh, have, get to say something uh, to you guys tonight. Thanks a lot. No problem. Thank you as well. We're glad you got to voice your opinion in there. And just so everybody knows, the previous walk-in episode was episode 206. And Todd, uh, just a, a thank you. That the, Todd is also the gentleman that wrote our theme song, so I am... Uh, I've, God, I love that theme song. <laughs> Which, by the way, Neil Armstrong's quote is even in there. All right, thanks, Todd. And Russ, do you have a final comment? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, Mercury, Gemini, and culminating in Apollo, uh, it was a great beginning. It was the birth of human spaceflight. And there's nothing that we can't do as a race of people. It's, if we could go to the moon, we could do anything. And I think it was just a great start, and the future is left unknown, but still wonderful. And I am very excited to see what happens with regards to uh, space and exploration and just everything that we learn in the next 50 years, in the next 100 years. It's a very exciting time to be alive, and I wanted to thank you guys for letting me participate this evening. You're welcome. Thank you for taking the opportunity to participate as well. All right, we have, I believe, a final comment from Kathy. You can go ahead. I agree completely with Russ and Todd on the need to continue on, and I really hope that uh, government decides that it's important as well. We know that the common guy down here that just wants to know what's out there, wants to continue it, but the government needs to know it too so that we can get some money for it and continue all the great things that we've done so far and more to come. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight on the show as well. Mark, I think you have a final comment as well. I sure do. It came, came from an earlier comment here tonight, um, thinking about crews and being able to name the, the, the astronauts. 
you know, there was a time that that was easily done by a man on the street, and today it's not so. And I agree that that really is much the case. But to some extent, that's something we desire. You know, we would hope for space flight to be so common that the astronauts are like the um, the captain of the commercial airliner. That you know, we know that he made a great takeoff and a safe landing and that there was no chop or, or rough weather in between. But, uh, you know, never knowing his name doesn't bother us. And we hope for that day. We still have our, our, our standouts, you know, some of the people that we see on Twitter, Mike Massimino, um, TJ Creamer, uh, Nicole Stott, and, and many, many others that have participated in Twitter. And, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm with, with many that would hope to have a crew of three or five or six on their way to Mars. And we know each of their names and we know where they're from. And we'd like to have that same excitement about them that was so much a part of the Apollo program. I mean, I doubt there was a launch that happened that, that didn't have students in classrooms that had the teachers that had that focus on science and space to where that was discussed and those names were known. And let's hope for that in the future. Actually, I've got a question for everybody on the floor um, with reference to all this. What do you guys think about the moon vis-a-vis Mars? Do you think Mars should really be the next step, or should we go ahead and, and, and go off to the, oh, to the moon, test our metal there first, and then go to Mars? What do you guys think? We're not uh, in a situation economically or uh, socially uh, in this country to, to plan or set our goal for Mars right now. Uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the technology's not there. You know, we, we, we've heard about the radiation and the issues uh, in long-term space, long-distance space flight and long-term uh, know, uh, effects on humans, uh, you know, I think the moon, there's a lot to be done, there's a lot to be learned, that, uh, the water, the other things that we've, we've just found in the last year, uh, there's, there's so much going on, uh, we have to inspire this generation, uh, that's going to be the best way to accomplish it, and if it's uh, successful, as I'm very confident it will be. Uh, uh, it will get us funding down the road and, and uh, support to go on beyond that. Uh, there's going to be there's going to be loss of human life. There's there are high, very high risks involved. Uh, we have to be willing to stomach that, uh, and it's all part of exploration. And we you know we know that you know we it has to be known. Uh, in our society, uh, it's, it's very vital and important to continue to, to push to do those things. And, uh, and then the next step uh, will be to go beyond that. And, and we have to have the money to pursue all that technology in the meantime. But where's it all going to come from? <laughs> that's, that's the problem. That's one of, well, that's one of the problems. Uh, but you have to do it all. You, you do have you have to pursue all all those things, and you notice I didn't bring up the pri- you know private uh, space uh, systems. Uh, I'm not banking on anything. Uh, when they're ready, they'll be ready. 
as far as I'm concerned, that's quite a ways off. <laughs> but uh, I do enjoy it, and I definitely am behind all, all of it. So uh, thanks again for having me on. Not a problem. Now, we've got to hear from a lot of people tonight on their opinions, but there's one person we've yet to hear from. Gene, how has Apollo affected you? Thank you, Sawyer. Um, I was about four, maybe four years old at the time of the Apollo 11 moon landing. I was born at a time where uh, no humans had walked on the moon yet. In fact, it was just a, uh, just a, a, a whole, the whole thing was going on with the, uh, oh, crud, can we take that again? Go ahead. Thank you. Three, two, one, mark. Thank you, Sawyer. Um, yeah, I was probably about maybe four years old at the time of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Uh, in fact, I was born in a time where no humans had walked on the moon just yet. We were still in the throes of the uh, of the great space race that was still going on uh, between uh, us, the United States, and the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, or the USSR. Um, at that point, even about 30 years prior to that, uh, to... Uh, to Apollo 11, people were pointing up at the moon and, and using it as sort of a sanity check. If you were walking down the street with a friend, or uh, you were, you know, at night and you pointed up at the moon and said, you know, hey, do you really, really think we're ever going to go there? And if you, your friend, responded, nah, there's no way we'll ever go go there, you probably thought, yeah, this guy's really, really wrapped tight. You know, he's he's got he's with it. But uh, if that friend responded, oh yeah, we're going to get there, and not only are we going to get there, we're going to get there in about 30 years, um, you probably walked a little further away from him and said kind of like, well, okay, we'll take care of your problem later, but um, uh, that was that was just sort of the idea. In fact, uh, uh, the New York Times back in the 20s, the 1920s, ridiculed uh, Dr. Robert Goddard and uh, said that there's no way a liquid-fueled rocket could actually work in a vacuum. And it wasn't until um, the Apollo 11 moon landing that they actually issued the retraction to that. So I, I thought that was rather funny. But um, Apollo 11 is probably the first mission that I remember completely from beginning to end. Again, I was probably about four years old um, on July 16th, 1969, when a rocket the size of the Statue of Liberty was sitting on pad 39A in Florida. And watching the mission unfold, I knowing that three humans were going to another world, I was absolutely transfixed. I mean, my boyhood heroes became people like with last names of Lovell, Armstrong, Cernan, Aldrin, all those folks. Um, and most little kids, you know, they, they bothered their parents to go see Disney movies at that age. Me, no, I, I bothered my dad to go to take me to go see movies like Marooned. If anybody remembers that movie with uh, with Richard Crenna, it was about a a rescue, a space rescue mission. Um, Silent Running, and of course, uh, 2001. And I remember as a little kid looking at the movie 2001, seeing the you know the Orion shuttle go over to the space station, and then a, another vehicle from the space station going off to the moon going, wow, you know, that could be me up there. This is the stuff I might be doing. And that really, really 
continued to spur me on. Well, as we all know for the space program, and well, unfortunately for myself, things didn't go exactly the way as planned. Um, Advanced mathematics kind of sort of got in my way a little bit, but uh, I still had the opportunity some years back to merge a a love that I picked up through Apollo uh, astronomy and and rocketry um, with a career. And um, for about five years, I was the the assistant over at the County College of Morris Planetarium over here in Randolph. And uh, those were probably one of the most rewarding days of my life. I got to go ahead and actually tell the kids that would come in and watch our general shows and give them a, the idea that, that's, that this is really cool and try to go ahead and pass along my passion and my love for, for science, astronomy, and spaceflight to, to the kids that would walk in and, and watch our general shows. And that's one of the things I've, I miss doing, and I miss doing it a lot. Um, and I hope to, to sort of try to pass along that love through, through this, through this podcast here, but it's also set me on another path too. I've been sort of a, I've become sort of a amateur, uh, spaceflight historian, a amateur, uh, journalist as a result of this podcast. Um, I had, uh, interned at, uh, the National Space Society for a little while with, uh, uh, then uh, the president at the time was none other than Lori Garber, who is our current uh, um, uh, assistant administrator for NASA right now. And I uh, got to work with her for a little while, and that was quite an honor. Um, but how did it? How did the flight really, really, really affect me? It just told me that space flight and space travel is something that's going to be part of our future. And uh, that future needs to be protected. And in a way, I guess maybe that's what I'm doing now. I'm trying to go ahead and protect that future through, through uh, vehicles like this podcast and through other things I'm, I'm doing. So in a way, I guess I'm trying to be a custodian of, of the past and, and a custodian of our possible future. And if that was the gift that Apollo 11 gave me, then, then so be it. And I will accept it and unwrap it and, and always cherish it. So with that, I believe that brings tonight's episode to a close. So once again, I'd like to thank everybody else here that joined us. So thank you again to Russ, Todd, and Kathy for calling in. Thank you very much to Aaron Cunningham for sending us in that letter. And as well, thanks to everybody that joined us of our usual panel. Gene McCulka, thank you. This was a, a very, very fun night, night, and I'm glad that we got to, to talk to some other folks as we find out how, uh, how this week, the events of uh, some 41 years ago this week impacted their lives. So it was, it was a neat night. Agreed. And thank you as well, Mark Ratterman. And again, I want to thank everybody that called in and contributed the uh, emails, and uh, we hope to get a few more. And uh, if anybody wants to uh, drop Sarah Howard a line, I know she would super appreciate it. 
every time I talk to her, she mentions her book that she's written, and uh, she's a wonderful lady. So uh, drop her a line, tell her tell her you like hearing from her. I'm sure it'll make her day. And uh, I always enjoy listening to uh, Jean Sawyer. Sorry, Jean is not with us this week. She'll be back soon. And uh, of course, her visitors. Thanks. Indeed, thank you very much. And. Hopefully this show was not a bunch of, to quote Buzz Aldrin, magnificent desolation. Hope you enjoyed it, as we did. And once again, as always, have a great day, night, evening, or whatever it may be, where you are. I was strolling on the moon one day In a merry, merry month of December Now, May, May When much to my surprise A pair of bunny eyes Oh, this is a neat way to travel. Isn't it great? I like to skip along, but me, boy. <laughs>